Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. This is uh, Pastor Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm joined with my fellow brothers in Christ here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church. Uh, got Jeremiah Custer here, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our, our children's pastor, and of course, our senior pastor, Jeff McCarthy. Uh, Monday Main Point, like I said, is brought to you by Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, and it's where we just take the Sunday sermon and sort of break it down, almost like we're Monday morning quarterback in the thing. But without, without that much criticism. So <laughs> we, uh, we're, we're glad you've chosen to join us this morning as we continue our discussion on the Echoes from Exile sermon series that we're preaching through as we're looking at uh, the minor prophets and what they have to say to us during these troublesome times. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, we, I actually preached a message from Habakkuk uh, called Patience and Peace Amid Perplexity. Um, and yes, that is a lot of peas. Um, so, uh, and really Habakkuk is the first, uh, I, I believe anyway, I said this yesterday and I believe this is true. Habakkuk is the first minor prophet that we've encountered so far in this sermon series that deals specifically with Judah. Um, all the ones we've looked at prior to this have kind of looked at the northern kingdom of Israel. Remember that the northern kingdom of Israel separated from the southern kingdom of Judah so you really had two kingdoms. And the first part of this uh, sermon series was really focused largely on the minor prophets that were um, giving Israel warning of the coming invasion of Assyria. And now we switch gears and we're looking at Judah. And Judah, uh, Assyria would come into Judah, but they weren't the ones that God was going to use to judge Judah. That would be the Babylonians, the Neo-Babylonians. And they would eventually go into Judah and, and sack uh, sack Judah and exile all, all those that were in Judah uh, to Babylon. So Habakkuk is talking about that. But the, th- the other thing that st- stands out about Habakkuk is, if, if you've listened to Money Main Point, if you're one of our regular listeners, first off, thanks. Um, and second, um, you've heard me say that a lot of these prophets don't have a continuous arc, like a narrative arc from beginning to end. There are a lot of collection or a hodgepodge of poems and prophecies and visions and such. Habakkuk, I think, is the one of the first. Jonah really was the very first that has a true narrative arc to it. And what 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 Habakkuk uses is instead of using accusations and warnings, Habakkuk uses lament and complaint. And so Habakkuk is a a, a number of um, Habakkuk uh, speaking to God, complaining to God, and then God answering. And so it kind of goes like this. Habakkuk complains to God about all the violence around him and how long do I have to cry out to you, Lord, before you do something about this? And God says, oh, just wait, I'm about to do something. He's like, all right. And God says, I'm about to send a terrifying army into Judah, the likes of which you would not believe if I told you. And Habakkuk's like, Habakkuk answers and he says, wait a second. You mean to say you're going to use this wicked force, but you're a good God. How does that work together? I'm just going to wait right here, he says, and I'll wait for you to answer me. And then God does give him a second answer. And in his second answer, God says, I want you, I'm going to give you a vision. It's not for now. It's going to come later, but I want you to write it down and write it down clearly. And he basically says to him, Babylon and all those kind of oppressive forces out there have large egos and they think that they're the ones in control, but the righteous one will live by faith. And then he proceeds to give five judgments 
against not just Babylon, but any evil oppressor. And I think it's the all this sort of put together that causes Habakkuk in the last chapter to have this wonderful prayer. And, and uh, when you read when you read scholars, scholars call the first two parts laments, but the third they call a prayer, or maybe even a psalm. And this prayer that he offers up is uh, first he petitions God, God, you've acted in our behalf in the past, act on our behalf now. And then he paints his wonderful word picture, this theophany of who God is, including how God is going to stand like a warrior and, and, and um, destroy all of his enemies. And then the last thing that he does is he expresses his confidence in God. And he says, I, I, and I'm just going to read this because it's so good um, again. And, and we'll, as soon as I read this, we'll jump into it, fellas. But Habakkuk 3, 16 through 19. Habakkuk says, after thinking on all this, he said, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there is no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will triumph in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Yahweh, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and enables me to walk on mountain heights. I said this yesterday, but that, <clears throat> that, that passage there um, was uh, uh, said by one person to be one of the greatest expressions of faith in the Bible. And I, and I really agree. I think it's just a beautiful expression of faith, even though things are cruddy, <laughs> right? Even though they're crummy and they're awful, um, and I have no evidence to believe it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have faith in that God, God is gonna do something, and so I'll wait patiently and peacefully on Him, and I'll rejoice in His salvation. So that's Habakkuk. Um, there's a lot we can talk about with this, guys. Um, and um, but I, uh, I, I'll give you three categories here. Um, the same three categories I went through yesterday, and if you want to jump on any one of these, you can, or if you've got something in that you have as an insight. Um, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do that, and then we'll just guide, we'll kind of guide this thing as it goes. So the first thing I mentioned in, in the message yesterday was that I believe that Habakkuk gives us confidence to pray to God knowing that he cares about us. Um, the second thing I mentioned is even though things, things are bad, um, all, all these things are even though things are bad, but the second thing is that Habakkuk gives us confidence to wait on God knowing that he will act. He's not going to stay inactive. And the third thing is that... Um, we can have peace in God knowing that he's just and merciful. So I'll throw that out there. Um, uh, I'll start with you, Jeremiah. Is there anything there in particular you want to jump on? Yeah, I mean, I don't see any reason why we should start with where you started. Because uh, I think that may be where the best application is. Uh, because uh, Habakkuk just starts with this, this lament, this cry out to God like, God, why aren't you listening? Don't you see what's happening around me? And I think if we're being honest, most all of us have asked those questions this year, if not this month, mm -hmm. if not this morning. So um, just really relevant. I'll just kind of say what I said there, pitch it to you guys, and, and maybe I'll have some other things. What, what do y'all think about that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that you see here there is a lot of application because you see that Habakkuk here is lamenting. And if you look all throughout Scripture, lamenting is actually a Christian thing to do because you see that, I mean, there's even a whole book of the Bible based on lament called Lamentations. And a lot of people... A lot of people have this mindset, guys, that they can't go to God and not be upset with God or anything like that. And it's like, and like we obviously see here that Habakkuk is pretty doggone upset with God. Mm-hmm. He's upset with his circumstances, but Habakkuk didn't stay upset. That's where I think the fine line is. Habakkuk was upset in a moment, but he never <clears> stayed <throat> mad. Mm-hmm. I think God is okay with us being upset, <clears throat> but not staying <clears throat> upset. Mm-hmm. I think is a good portion uh, is a good thing we need to look at and uh, I think Habakkuk here in these first four verses he's just being real with God like you said yesterday um, and being real with God can actually lead to a closer relationship with God I think it does because I mean he already knows what's in your heart anyway like you said yesterday yeah. and so I think I think it's important for us to realize that lament is actually a part of the Christian life and that it's not it's not wrong to question God or anything like that. You can take that take that out of your vernacular when it comes to the Christian life for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, you know, that that whole question, how long? How long is this gonna last? How long are you, this is this gonna go on without you doing something? How long is is this gonna happen uh, happen uh, keep going on before you intervene and make something happen? Um, why don't you do something about it? You know, we we question that in our own hearts about God. Mm-hmm. And then we try to engage the culture. We may meet people that aren't Christians that, that would say, well, if you really believe in God, why is he allowing this to happen? Why is this going on? When is he going to come in and intervene? Or we, we engage maybe with a Christian that's um, um, kind of weak in their faith and they're questioning it too, and they can't they can't grasp how how can God allow this to happen? You know, why did God allow COVID to take my grandma? And right. so you get all these yeah. things that happen, and and, and normally in in a, in a normal year, we all have these how long moments and these why gods and why didn't you intervene, gods? You know, mm-hmm. throughout the year, whether it be you know getting cancer, losing a job, divorce, death, things like that. But when you add this accumulated effort of this pandemic, which um, affects all of us, and not only Americans, but the whole world, and then when you compound it with everything else going on, and then you compound it with, you know, the social injustice, the race rioting, the, the, you know, contentious election, the... And then you add in everything else that's happened in the pandemic. And then you add in the things that happen in the normal life that would happen anyway. The cancer diagnosis, the uh, miscarriage, everything else. And so it compounds it even more. Yeah. And so this this is a good book to really think about. Um, just like Habakkuk, like I see all this going on and, and you could intervene. It, you could just snap your fingers. You know, we always talk about if we were God, we would zap and we would snap, you know. Things would happen differently, but we're not God. Yeah, and so God tells him, you know, like you said in His answer, something's going to happen, and you're not going to believe it. And of course, a lot of people point that to a messianic prophecy too, of Jesus coming and what He did, mm-hmm. but also for this this army to come in. And uh, Habakkuk didn't know at that time the answer yet, but but um, 
you know, God's like, oh, yeah, something is going to happen. And I am going to punish those leaders in your nation that are actually doing the same thing the Babylonians right. are doing, which was actually the same thing the Assyrians were doing, which was actually the same thing the northern Israel was doing, right. which is actually the same thing nations afterwards did. Right. And even Jeremiah and I were reading all the things that the nation did in chapter 2. And we were checking off the list. We were, we were watching um, the Bible Project. We were like, that's America, that's America, that's America, that's America. So we yeah. had fallen into this pattern. Yeah. And so we as Christians, uh, we don't need to lose our prophetic voice. And I think that's what helps us when we see Habakkuk and all to stand back, you know, in our own. He had to get right with God and get his thoughts and process going with God first before mm-hmm. he can then speak to the nation of what's, what was going to happen with this vision. And, all. and so that's the same thing with us as well, I think, and this struggle during this pandemic. Yeah, and I, I, I like I like what, what you guys are saying there, and, and I, I agree entirely. I, I think that, uh, like you're right, I, I think a lot of times people are afraid to take those complaints because they, they, they feel like if I'm complaining, then that, that somehow or another is showing a lack of faith on my part or that God will sometimes be somehow be upset with me because I questioned something that happened in life and I questioned his, you know, his authority. And so God's going to be upset. But even, you know, even going all the way to the New Testament, I always remember that, um, you know, when John's in prison, he sends word to Jesus and says, his cousin and says, are you the Messiah? Are you really the one? Like he's questioning whether or not he's the savior, even after he's proclaimed him as savior. And so, and Jesus, I love Jesus' answer. Jesus doesn't rebuke him, but he just reminds him. He says in that moment, hey, look, go back and tell him. Did you go out, you know, go back and tell him, hey, you know, who did you see? What, what, remind him of the things that you've seen done. And, remind, you know, it was like remind him that, yeah, I am the one. Um, I, I love that about it. God is, God is, if you don't hear anything else we say, I guess, here on this, on this subject, God is big enough to handle your complaints. Mm, yes. God is big enough and loving enough to handle your your shaking your fist at him. And and he's not going to necessarily strike you down as a result of that. And so, yeah, I I, I that, that that sort of thing resonated with me too. And the other thing that I I I kind of want to talk about here Jeremiah is and Jeff talked, touched on it. Um like we see all these things. Habakkuk sees all this evil, mm-hmm. right? He sees all this evil in his time, and he says, God, you want to do something about this? And God says, yes, I'm going to use an evil nation to do something yeah. about this. And and and, and from, Habak- from God's own mouth. Like. From God's own mouth, right. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and then Habakkuk is like, wait, hold up. What? You're going to... You're going to use evil to do something about the evil. I don't get that. You're God. Won't you? Shouldn't you be using pure and holy means to do this? Yeah. And so, what do you make of that? Because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people inside the church and outside the church who struggle with this exact same issue that Habakkuk is struggling with. Yeah. So, guess I'm probably not going to answer that specifically right now. But okay. I just I just want to assure people that. That, you know, questioning God, having questions like this is not sinful. It's just not. not. not right. And the reason that we're, we're kind of pushing this pr- pretty hard is just because 
I think if you don't ask questions like this, then you never get the answer, mm-hmm. right? And the answer is so beautiful. It's it, it and actually there's a precedent for this. Uh, uh, so before Habakkuk writes, uh, David writes in the Psalms, and David almost writes the exact same words in Psalm 13. I have them right here. And he, he kind of answers his own question in a similar way. So I won't give the answer, but uh, I'll just read kind of how David put these same questions. He says, How long, O Lord, will, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Mm-hmm. So he he's asking these questions. Uh, the prophet here, Habakkuk, asked these questions. You mentioned John asked these questions. They are okay questions to ask. And John, Jonathan's point uh, yesterday was God wants us to ask because he cares. And not only that, not only does he care, he's eager to answer. Mm-hmm. And the answer is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the problem is if you think that questioning God is sinful... You don't ask the right questions, you don't ask the difficult questions, and you never get the correct answer to a question you have anyways. You're just unwilling to ask it. To that point, <clears throat> I make this point sometimes. You know who, who, who I think had questions, held them to uh, himself, didn't ever ask the questions he wanted to ask, and ended up, ended up dying, uh, dying without the answers? Judas. 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 You think about Judas in the New Testament. Judas clearly questioned whether Jesus was really Messiah and all, right? And he, and he had problems with the way that Jesus, Jesus was operating. But instead of going to Jesus and talking to him about it, he goes and handles it on his own. Yeah. And, he nev- and he dies without ever really getting the true answer of what happened. Mm. And, and, and so I look at Judas and I go, that's what happens when you don't ask questions. And I think you're so right, Jeremiah. God wants us to ask these questions. Um, one of the reasons why Habakkuk is asking these questions is because he understands God's character to begin with. He knows that God's big enough to handle this question. And he wants to figure out, he, he's not doubting whether God is good. He's just saying, how does that work together? I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. Well, so. and he does, want, he does want the evildoers who were in charge of the religion at that time in Judah, in charge of the kingdom at that time in Judah, he did want them to be punished. Yeah. He did want God to bring justice to them. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't prepared for for an evil army to come. But <laughs> but I think God is setting that pattern uh, for us today. Because if you read Habakkuk, the people that read Habakkuk before the invasion, mm-hmm. during the invasion, during the exile, during the 400 period before Christ uh, shows up and there's no prophet speaking... During the early church, the just shall live by faith, all the way to us today even, we can still read this message and it still resonates with us every single day of our lives. Because we're still in this pattern of of people living without God, trying to rule the world in themselves without God. And we always have that because we're a remnant that's here. And so we're always going to be asking, okay, God, 
how long is this going to go? When, you, when are you going to come? When, when is that warrior king, which Judas was looking for, right. which perhaps maybe, maybe John thinking, maybe Jesus is going to rescue me now, and I won't have to face whatever I'm facing in prison. So, right. So they were looking for that warrior king. They were looking for the same thing. <clears throat> right. And so so now we're looking for him to come <clears throat> in, the, in the same light uh, because we feel this oppression right now. Right. I didn't mean to jump over top of, of that, but go, go ahead if, if you had another line of thought that you were going with there, Jeremiah. No, I just feel like we should probably answer your specific question. So you asked, um, you know, how could God use what we would call evil means to overcome evil? And I think a lot of that is that I don't think Habakkuk is necessarily given all the information. In fact, God says, I would tell you how I'm going to deal with evil, but you wouldn't believe me. Yeah. And of course, how, spoiler alert, how does God deal with evil? Well, he comes down, becomes a man, and he deals with it on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. Himself. So he he deals with injustice. He deals with evil and oppression and, and all those things. But if he had told Habakkuk that, Habakkuk would have been like, that's that doesn't seem right. That is that even possible? Like almost mm-hmm. as if Habakkuk is not asking a big enough question. Yeah. It's not just the current oppressors that God is worried about. He's worried about oppression. Yeah. Like not the oppressors current, but oppression and injustice and evil. And uh yeah, maybe a little bit of a spoiler there, but <laughs> uh that's kind of the answer that God gives <laughs> right. Habakkuk in the end, but yeah. yeah, especially because, and, and we can talk about this a little bit, Blake, if you like, because I think I think the key, when I looked at this, I I, I struggled honestly. I was struggling with, okay, well, how do I how do I piece all this together? Even though it's in in this narrative arc, how do I piece this message together? Where is where is the meat and potatoes of this message? Like, where is the heartbeat of the message? And for me, it's in God's second answer, <clears throat> found in chapter two, where He tells Him right now what I'm about to tell you. And, and the reason why it's in, and I think it's in verse four, where he says, look, as he goes inflated, he is without integrity, but the righteous one will live by his faith. Mm-hmm. That's such an important verse, Blake, because three different times in the New Testament that's quoted mm-hmm. or, or, or used in some, in some way. Um, how, does, how do you see that like sort of projecting into the future? Um, and, and, and how does this sort of lay a foundation for, for, what we, what, for the gospel? Yeah, absolutely. Well, to start in Habakkuk's time, he had to absolutely have faith in God and in his, of course, in his messianic plan, but a part of having faith in that messianic plan was to have faith that God was going to work out the then and now sure. with Judah and the Babylonians and these Chaldeans coming in with the wicked. But to lay a base for that... Um, Simple part with like people with us, we have to have faith. I mean, there's no video evidence of Jesus doing his work. Right. I mean, there's no concrete, clear, you can see it. Um, You have people who've written it down. You've had a lot of evidence, but there's not a lot of proof, I guess you could say. Right. And so you have to definitely live by faith now, today. So there are a lot of ways... Habakkuk and us are really alike because we do have to live by faith. Um, he just had to look towards the 
Messiah, and we look back at <laughs> we look mm-hmm. back at the Messiah, and that's the gospel right there. Because what meets in the middle here is uh, when the only way that we are just is that if we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, because we get that imputed righteousness on us, and that's the only way how we can even be seen as just in the eyes of God is if he looks at us and sees Jesus mm-hmm. covering our sin. And that's the only way that we can be just. Right. And here in two four, it says the just shall live by faith. How? Because the just have faith and that's why they're just mm-hmm. in the eyes of God. Mm. Um so we'll we'll Let's move away from that first one, I guess, and mm-hmm. you know, look at look look at because uh, there's a couple other things I want we, I want to talk about, and one of those things is is um, that I, I, that I saw on this is, is Habakkuk in the beginning it seems doesn't have a whole lot of patience, right? Or if he does have patience, he says I'm going to wait, mm-hmm. but then you notice in that last part he says I'm going to wait quietly. Is there a difference between? Waiting and waiting quietly. You know, I I, I try to make it that there was. Um, what do you think? I mean, is there a difference between waiting and just sort of waiting quietly? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, we we, we experience it all the time. Sitting at a traffic light in a uh, car line of a wreck somewhere uh, in a doctor's office. Um, you can wait and be agitated and upset and nervous and anticipating and just still you know you're just still angst mm-hmm. or you can try to be calm try to find something else to do you can pray you can meditate you can find other ways of dealing with the situation without getting so caught up in it and I think maybe that's what God was trying to get back at to do is just take a, a little bit of time out quit being so anxious about your surroundings and your circumstance and, and focus on me maybe, which is kind of what we've been doing during this uh, pandemic as well. I wanted to read uh, verse 4 out of the uh, out of the message. Oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. It's pretty I, cool. Of course, it, it's a comparison of the the lost guy and the guy that's supposedly in charge and the real Christian. So mm-hmm. it says, look at the man bloated by self-importance, full of himself, but so empty. Mm-hmm. So, S-O-U-L, empty. Mm-hmm. But the person in right standing before God Though loyal and steady believing is fully alive, really alive. So that kind of goes along with what you're saying, that that waiting patiently. Though loyal and steady through loyal and steady believing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that wait it's not like you're just sitting there doing nothing. You're still engaged in your waiting. But instead of being anxious about it, you're trusting and you're calm and you're anticipating what God's going to do. And so that helps us in our spiritual life when we kind of look at it that way too. But, but those are the ones that are fully alive, really alive. And, and the comparison is that he's empty because his God's empty, exactly. which you talked about later on. About <clears throat> it's just a piece of wood or a piece of, mm. piece of clay or a piece of right. grass or a piece of gold, but it's empty on the inside. He can't do anything. And so his trust is in a God that's really himself and he's really empty whereas I trust is in, in not trusting in ourselves but we're empty in ourselves in order to trust God and be fully alive yes yeah and, and you, you hit exactly where I was going to go next which is in that on that on that point because 
Um, yeah, it, it even says that uh, when God first answers him, and he's describing the Babylonian army, he says they're fierce and terrifying. Their views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. I mean, so mm-hmm. so he's full. He, you know, his, his idea of justice, this Babylonian oppressor, or just oppressors, period, their, ide- their ideas of justice, their ideas of authority and sovereignty come from within, not from without. Mm-hmm. And those are two big differences. And then I think... Um, I didn't spend a lot of time on these on these woe oracles. There's a lot to we we could sit here, fellas, and unpack each one of those. But I did spend time on the last one simply because I think it's the it's the one that kind of hits on what you were just saying. One of the reasons why I think that Habakkuk is able to wait quietly is because of his confidence that he knows he's serving an active God. A God who 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 will act. Uh, he doesn't know that. Maybe he doesn't know that at first because he's actually saying, "God, how long do I have to wait for you to act? Are you going to act? Are you going to do something?" Right? And then God says, "Yes, I'm going to do something." It may be a while before I do something. Habakkuk, it might not be on your timetable, but I will do something. I'm different in that I will do something. These idols and these other things can't do anything. Right. right? And so he sets this contrast, I think, Jeremiah, between those two things. Yeah, so, man, I really love this portion of Habakkuk. So we're, we're mainly talking about, like, with the last woe, uh, Habakkuk 2, 18 through 20. Mm-hmm. And there's this clear, like, like God speaking here, uh, well, until verse 20. Um, God, God speaks 18, 19, and I think Habakkuk probably speaks verse 20. I think so as well. Um, but there's this clear like like God's trying to show show um, Habakkuk like who 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 speaks who's the one who should be speaking so like when we talk about waiting in silence I think sometimes when we don't wait for God to answer we start filling our head with yeah. other answers yeah, other things point. speaking mm-hmm. and and God Himself says look when you do that. That's idol worship. You're listening to idols, right? Because mm-hmm. every, by the way, everything other than God could be an idol. Because yes. everything other than God is what? Created. Mm-hmm. Whether it was created by God or created by um, by, by humans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so he's the only one who, who because there's that talk, right, of like the creator is the one who gives purpose. The creator is the one who... Who creates or gives meaning of life, purpose, those types of things. So, uh, so I think when we try to speak, um, it, it's really idols that are that are trying to speak, and we're listening to the wrong things. And so God, God shows here. Look, quit listening to this. Quit listening to that. Don't even listen to yourself. None of that has breath. It's my word that has life. It's my word that has breath. And uh, so I think Habakkuk is wise to say, I will wait on your answer mm-hmm. then. That's the only answer I'm willing to accept. Yeah. And Blake, I, I want this maybe jumping back to that first point again a little bit here, but you, you said something there I think is kind of important. And that's that I'm going to wait on your answer. Mm. Like, I'm going to wait on your answer. So where do we find God's answer? 
Like when I'm, if I want to wait, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm waiting on God, and I want to hear Him speak, how, Blake, how am I going to hear Him speak? But through His Word, through His written scriptures, mm. um, God's not the kind. He's not going to, you know, make a. I love what J.D. Greer says. He's not going to make a secret message in your Cheerios while you're eating them <laughs> in the morning or anything like that. That's um, funny. He's, that is funny. <laughs> but if you think about it, that's literally how we think about how, you know, like... Oh, it's, the God, al- it's the alphabet cereal. Yeah. 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 Cereal. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. yeah. if, if he's making secret messages, <laughs> all you're, a zero. you're a zero, Blake. You're no, no, zero. no, 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 you missed it. He's writing in binary. He's like <laughs> one, zero, 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 one. <laughs> no, or, like, or like, you know, like God arranged the clouds so yeah. that the message is... Clear up yeah, there. Yeah. Right, right. But, uh, we do this. Yeah. Yes. And it everything goes back to his word. He's not going to reveal him. The way he reveals himself is through Jesus Christ and through his word. Yeah. Because, you know, if you look at Jesus, he is a clear picture of the Father. He is a clear picture of the Father. And we see Jesus and how he responds to things, how he is. And we also see that his word is God's revelation, is the revelation of God and nothing, nothing else, uh, is worth looking at. And just look at the Word, and that's how we find our answers. Yeah, but, and, and, you know, he kind of had Jesus had his Habakkuk moment too in oh, the yeah. garden. Oh yeah, where he's like, "Will you take this cup from me? Is there any other way?" Yeah, but yeah. not not my will, but your will be done. Because mm-hmm. he's like, obviously, God could provide another way. Mm-hmm. So, which really brings us solace that. Jesus had a, a same kind of moment where he was in travail and wondering about, you know, uh, what he was getting ready to face for us. Right. Uh, because he is the answer to Habakkuk's prayer. Yeah. And so he's, he's, he's feeling the whole weight of the moment on his shoulders as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and that kind of leads us into that third point, which would be peace, right? Because when Jesus has that moment in the garden, he walks away, I believe, with peace and resolve. How is it that Jesus can walk away with peace and resolve, knowing what he's going to face, yeah. knowing what's coming? How is it that Habakkuk, in the end, can say what he says? When I read from the um, at the very beginning of this broadcast, from um, sixteen through nineteen, at the end of chapter three, how is it that someone, and this gets us really to to to, to where rubber meets road, where we are right now, right? How can we, as people, say, even though? It looks like everything is falling apart. And even though it looks like things can't get any worse, I am going to celebrate. He says, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to triumph. I'm going to rejoice in you. How do you do that, man? How do you do that? Yeah, here's why I think we have the upper hand on Habakkuk. So Habakkuk has great faith, and this hasn't been accomplished yet. Mm -hmm. The answer hasn't been accomplished yet. We must show the same great faith, but we've seen God handle the situation, right? Right. We've seen the ultimate answer in, in Jesus. So while it's difficult, sure, to, to have faith knowing that while everything around me doesn't seem to make sense still, uh, we can rest assured that what Jesus did on the cross accomplishes our salvation and ultimately the victory over everything. So we can kind of look back on it. Habakkuk couldn't do that. He was looking forward to it. Um, 
but it's still yeah it's still difficult it's still hard to show that that faith I think what he I think maybe what Habakkuk looked to in order to have that level of faith is is he said I've he even says I've heard the report about you right Lord I've heard about I've heard the report about you I stand in awe of your deeds I know what you did for our people back in Egypt mm-hmm. I know the way that you've worked in miraculous ways before to to rescue us revive your work in these years make it known in these years in your wrath remember mercy um and so i wonder if maybe for him you're right he doesn't have the ultimate answer because that's that's not going to come for many many years right but i think for him that he finds he finds the, 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 the the courage to be as faithful as he is in this moment and to find peace in this moment because precisely because he knows that God has acted in the past and can and will act in his day and in the future, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important, too, that we give credit to the Holy Spirit a lot to, because he's the, he is the comforter, and mm-hmm. um, he offers us comfort. Mm-hmm. And you're right, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. we do have the upper hand because yeah. in the New Testament era, the people of God have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. Yeah, that's right. And whereas the Old Testament, it was probably more of like on them specific missions, we have it permanently indwelled. Like <laughs> Ephesians says, it's sealed. And, you know, it's stuff like when I think of when it comes to peace, like how Horatio Spafford wrote, When Peace Like a River Attends My Way. Mm-hmm. I mean, that guy, he was literally looking at the watery depths of his daughter's grave right. there in the ocean but he put one piece like a river attends my way with right. sorrows like sea billows roll you've taught me to say it as well with my soul right and so i think that's only done by the holy spirit it's yeah. only by the holy spirit we can have such a great peace in the middle of this but dude i'll go ahead i, I, I was, <clears throat> was going to ask you something on that and i'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and ask me yeah it so, might be getting ready while I was gonna yeah so if that's the case and i and i do and it is the case it's a case that we have this Holy Spirit of God on us that Habakkuk maybe didn't have necessarily like the way we experience it. And yet to me, and maybe I'm wrong here, but why is it then that we still see such a lack of peace, right, among God's people? If we have his spirit, shouldn't we, shouldn't we, shouldn't we actually have more peace than what even Habakkuk had? Because we have more access to God than he did, more intimate access to God. What, what, what do you think? Well, um, I think the message Habakkuk, Habakkuk was given was to prepare people for this invasion. Mm-hmm. And then not only the invasion, but they're going to be t- carted off into exile as well. That's right. And so they've got to hold on to something. So his message is for them at that time to say, this is coming how are we going to deal with this? And so the end of the, the 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 book is the song that he sings up that you know even if I don't have fruit and vine and all I'm still going to trust in God. Mm-hmm. And so for us as Christians, you know our faith and trust should be in God, and we do have the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But there is another King of Babylon, and there's going to be another King of Babylon, another King of Babylon. I mean, China may rule the world in the next 50 years. We don't know. There's no guarantee that America is even going to exist. Right. So our faith and trust has to be in in him. Yeah. And I think that's what Habakkuk was trying to get to the people, that when they got carted off into exile, when they don't have anything else, where everything they trusted is gone and disappeared, what are you holding on to? Mm. 
And so really the only thing you do have is that peace that passes understanding. Mm-hmm. And that happens in our life personally when we go through tragic times yeah. as well as what we're going through right now. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that. I've, I've seen that. And I know you have. You just did You just did a funeral on Friday. I know you're going to do another one this the, on Tuesday. Tomorrow. Yeah. And, and it's amazing to me that people who are uh, Christians in those moments seem to exhibit such a level of peace and comfort sometimes that... It's 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 profound. I mean, really, yeah. Is. You can almost pick out the believers and the unbelievers at funerals just by the way they grieve. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's true. Wow. Well, um, that's going to take us to the end here, fellas. We're at right at forty minutes, so we'll we'll close shop here on Habakkuk. I've enjoyed this discussion. This is good. I really enjoyed this book. Are, are we in Zephaniah next? Is that right? Yes, sir. Zephaniah and Zephaniah is another short book, so you should be able to read that ahead of time, and. Um, are we gonna are, are we gonna start seeing some more uh, like <laughs> prophecies towards Jesus? Here? We're prophecies making the towards... turn toward hope. Zephaniah is filled with doom and gloom, but there is a glimmer of hope. So we're gonna concentrate on hope. All right, all we're right. Making the turn to Christmas. All right, <laughs> we're making the turn towards Christmas and hope. Hang in there with us. We promise it gets better from here. It's well, it has gotten better. It got better at the moment that God sent His Son Jesus Christ, mm. and uh, and He is our hope. And I hope he's your hope as you face whatever it is that you face this week that might cause you to say, how long, O Lord, may you rest in the hope of Jesus Christ. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. It's been great. We'll see you next time. So long.